Hello, everyone. I hope you can hear me. Uh, this is a live stream. Uh, this is live. Um, what is this? <laughs> I haven't done this in so well, in quite a while. Sorry. Okay. Hello again. Uh, welcome to the Daily Bible Reading Show. I am looking at Psalm 139, and this is going to be my second impression of this passage that I'm going to be speaking this Sunday. It's going to be at Leicester Church. And uh, I did a video yesterday of my first impressions. This is my second impressions. Uh, so if you want to, you can catch that one. But this one is live, so it's going to be unedited. It's going to be really random and possibly very, very long. So I do apologize for that in advance. Uh, but what I'm doing is I'm trying to think of applications. I'm trying to think of illustrations that will help me bring across the key points in this psalm. Um, uh, we said yesterday that this psalm has to do with God's knowledge of us, you know, how he knows everything about us. And you can have very different reactions to that. You can be very afraid of that, you can praise God for that, or you can even repent because you know God knows everything about you and you might even have something that you want to repent before God because he knows everything about you. Uh, but I'm trying to think of examples in real life that will help bring that across in a way that will help people to think of God's Word, not just on Sunday, but in school, at work, in daily life. So, um, yeah, uh, let's look at Psalm 139. Uh, the key verse that was given to me, by the way, this passage was given to me by the leaders at um, Leicester Church, Leicester Chinese Christian Church, LCCC. Uh, the key verse uh, is verse 14. I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. And I think uh, the topic that was given was a new identity in Christ. Uh, I'll be preaching on this in the English congregation, but the exact same topic has been given, I think, to the Chinese speaker uh, that's uh, for the Chinese congregation that's happening at the same time as the English congregation. So uh, both of us will be speaking from the same verse on the same topic about God's knowledge of us that gives us this new identity in Christ. Uh, but this is, again, my second impressions video. Uh, I'm preparing for this. This is just the way that I prepare for this uh, in a very stressful, <laughs> in a very real way. Uh, but I'm trying to make observations from God's Word that speak into our daily lives. Uh, I'm going to pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this passage and this opportunity to reflect on it. Please, would you speak to us from it? Speak to us just how precious it is to have your thoughts in us. And this knowledge that you know us um, should help us, help us to praise you, to live our lives uh, in a much more thoughtful and loving and gracious way before you. Uh, so help us to do this as well. For Jesus' sake we pray. Amen. Amen. So uh, I'm going to start just by reading through uh, the psalm. So this is Psalm 139 to the quarry master, a psalm of David. O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down. You're acquainted with all my ways. 
Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it altogether. You hem me in behind and before, and you lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain it. Where shall I go from your spirit? Or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in shale, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me and the light about me be night. Even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is bright as the day, for darkness is as light with you. For you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written every one of them the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God. How vast is the sum of them. If I would count them, they are more than the sand. I awake, and I am still with you. Oh, that you would slay the wicked, O God. O men of God, depart from me. They speak against you with malicious intent. Your enemies take your name in vain. Do I not hate those who hate you, O Lord? And do I not loathe those who rise up against you? I hate them with complete hatred. I count them my enemies. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any grievous way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Uh, just, just want to notice, you know, when I read a psalm like this, you know, what are some of the verses that almost invite me to respond alongside the psalm? What are some of the verses that almost invite me to pray together with the psalmist, with the words from the psalm. Um, uh, the one that catches my eye uh, is verse 17. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God. You know, how valuable, maybe even how rare is it to have God's thoughts in our minds. You even know God's thoughts. And there's just so many of them. To claim to actually know what God is thinking, that, that's really something very special. And to claim to know the full extent of God's concern, His plans, you know, that's what Christians claim. You know, we claim to know this in Christ. We claim to know that there's this thing called the gospel that is God's plan for glorifying Jesus on the cross. You know, through His death, you know, we are forgiven of our sins. You know, we are sinners, we deserve his judgment, but through his death, we become sons and daughters of God. And just knowing that, that's a very precious thing. Not everyone should even know that. But we claim that we do, and this preciousness and this vastness 
equates to God's presence with us. I awake and I'm still with you. You know, to have these thoughts and indeed to have these words that convey God's thoughts into our hearts is essentially God telling us he, that he's with us. And so, you know, I'm just trying to find bits in the psalm already that allow me to reflect in a way that helps me to come closer to God and to appreciate just how amazing he is. He's shared his word, his thoughts, his son with us. And therefore we know that he's with us. I awake and I am still with you. The main idea of the psalm has to do with the knowledge of God. You know, you have searched me and you have known me. You have searched out my path. You know it all together. And this phrase, God knowing us and knowing us and knowing us, is the main idea running through the psalm, that God knows everything. You know, goes knows everything about everything. That's what the idea of God is. You know, God knows um, us because he made us. God knows us because he is God. But I think at the heart of this is realizing that God loves us. You know, that's why he knows us. That's why he even searches us out. You know, there's this concern and there, there's this interest in our lives. And I wonder if we even realize that. The fact that God is actually really concerned about you and even those details about you that maybe you think are insignificant. But because he loves us, because he made us, because he's even mapped out our lives, he has this vested interest in the way that we live these lives out before him. So again, the main flow, thread, idea running through the entire psalm is God knowing us through and through everything about us, but also everything inside of us, every thought, every mannerism even, what kind of people we are. It almost intrigues God. And when you realize that, you realize that God knows us, you realize and you appreciate that God appreciates everything that makes us us, it makes us I don't know, um, so many things. Humble, <laughs> you know, why is it, why, why do you care about us? Makes us careful, you know, whoa, you know, there's a kind of manner that I should be living my life that shows that I'm aware that God sees everything, but it also helps us appreciate God. You know, wow, you know, God, you really want to have this relationship with me. And so just to break it down, you know, knowledge of God, but seen in three kinds of types of knowledge. You know, God knows us, verses 1 to 12, and God knows us. Uh, God made us, verses 13, you know, you formed us, you knitted me, wonderful are your works, I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. God made us, we are his creation, he formed us like an art project. Uh, that's verses 13 till um, 18, so the central bit. And that's also the central bit of the key verse that was given to me in verse 14, you know, praising God because I'm part of this wonderful new creation in God, in Christ, and so I have this new identity as this new creation of God. But finally, also God uh, saves us. And it's just the last verse. Lead me into ways everlasting and that there's this salvation aspect that takes us out of ourselves out of 
our ignorance of God into this relationship with Him. And that's the last section, verses 19 to 24. It actually talks about judgment, but how we are saved and led out of this ignorance that leads to judgment, but leads us into relationship with God through Christ. So God knows us, God's made us, and God saves us. Um, just big pictures. I mean, second impressions video, you know, don't expect too much, but this is just rough sketches of what I get from this psalm so far. So let's look at the first bit and try to think of an illustration, application, example that fleshes out the fact that God really knows everything, <laughs> everything about us. And again, it really is everything, you know, when we sit down and when we rise up. And it's the idea of every little activity. You know, you, you put things in your calendar that are reminders to meet someone at that cafe or to meet your boss and hand in that assignment. But you don't, <laughs> you don't uh, write minute things that I brush my teeth at um, 8.09 this morning or I ha I'm drinking this fizzy drink at, uh, I don't know what time it is now. You don't write all these details, but God notices when we sat down, when we got up again, when we added that extra spoonful of sugar into our coffee, that kind of thing. And it's starting from the small to the big, you discern my thoughts. So actions and thoughts that God can see where he is. He doesn't, need to, he doesn't even need to come near us, but he already knows what we're going to do. And it's because he searches for these things. There's an interest, kind of like Google search. You know, Googling, these days you can Google anyone, which is kind of scary because of social media. You can find out so much about someone before you even meet them through their Facebook page. Sometimes I get freaked out you know, on Saturday. Uh, met, I've kind of gotten used to it by now. I said, oh, you're the guy that does that silly video, YouTube video kind of things. And yeah, sure. <laughs> and what's your name? And I try to get to know them as well because they know more about me than I know about them. And it's kind of freaky when you, when, when you realize that that's even more so with God. God knows us better than we know ourselves. And it's because he has searched for us. You know, again, that, that, that aspect of his interest in us, but also that aspect of how he wants to bring us back to himself. He searched us, he's known us, and he knows our path and our lying down, and he knows all our ways, meaning it's he's acquainted with our manner, our character, what kind of person we are. And, you know, these are relationship kind of knowledge. It's not just knowing details like how tall you are or what's your cholesterol count. <laughs> but that, you know, Calvin gets nervous when he has to um, speak in, in front of church. I do. You know, or uh, that you know, sometimes you get annoyed at certain things or that you really, really enjoy, um, I don't know, um, singing worship songs, that kind of thing. It's the way that we live our lives, the manner in which we live our lives before God. God is really interested in that. And verse 4, Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it all together. Behold. It's like, ta-da! It's like, what? What is it? That's the idea of the surprise. What, God, you actually even know what I was going to do, what I was going to say before I even I say it? And so again, this comprehensiveness of God's knowledge of us that goes beyond just the details to our manner, 
to the things that we haven't even done before. And he says, you know, such knowledge is too much for me. <laughs> I love, I really love how David acknowledges that this is really overwhelming. It is too much. It is too high. I cannot attain it. I, I think it's not that he wants to know this, but it, I can't grasp why is it this is the way? Why would you be interested in me? Why, why would you even be concerned about the things I'm doing today, even right now? It's so boring. You know, you're God, I'm nobody. But you know, the knowledge of that should overwhelm us. There's a rightfulness to that because that means you're starting to realize that you're dealing with God. You're starting to realize that how transparent it is our lives are before God. Uh, but also you can react to that negatively. I mean, again, you know, because so much of our information is available these days on the internet, on social media, on Facebook, on Instagram, the reaction is to hide, to lock it down, and to control who can see it. And sometimes because we do that with one another rightly, and in, in a wise way, uh, we, real, we don't realize that we should not do that with God. We should not actually try to think that there's a bit of our lives that should not be accessed by God because the truth is he already knows it. And this is the second section of the first part, if that makes sense. <laughs> so he's already said that God knows everything. But then there's this temptation then to run away from this knowledge. Verse 7, where shall I go from your spirit or where shall I flee from your presence. You know, you know that God is there, so you go in the opposite direction <laughs> from God's spirit, from God's presence. But at the same time, he's kind of playing out the hypothetical situation. I don't think David wants to run away, but he's saying is there's no point. There's no point trying to run away from this all-knowing God because his spirit, his presence is always with us. He says you can try going up to heaven. You can even try going down to hell. That's what Sheol is referring to. All these extremes, you know, you can try running around the earth, but if you could go to heaven, you know, of course, God is there, you know, <laughs> God of heaven. But even if you went down to hell, and that's the thing, you are there. It's kind of like a, that surprise phrase again, behold, Lord, you know it. But here, you are there. It's like, what? What God? You're even here in this place that I didn't expect you to be in Sheol. And it's saying that sometimes we think there's some place that we can go to to run away from God. Obviously, that's not possible, but we do think that way of maybe certain people in our lives. You know what? You know, you're watching, you know, Doctor Strange, but you're the pastor. You know, <laughs> you know we, we think something's out of character for that person. But that does not stop God from coming to relationship with us you know, having this full knowledge of us. And just saying it's silly. It's silly to think that we can run away from God, can run away from the knowledge of God. Carries on verse 9, uh, If I take the wings of the morning, dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. What's this business about the hand? You know, even there, you know, you, you, you have this grip on me. And this grip leads me into directions that, you know, God wants me to go. So your right hand shall hold me, your right hand shall lead me. It's saying that, you know, once you're in this relationship with God, 
And I think this is special of someone who claims to be a Christian, someone who claims to know God through Christ. You know, God doesn't just have an interest in how you want to live your life, but God orders your life. God maps out the path before you. And God is constantly leading you and prompting you in ways that you're able to walk in a way that is pleasing before Him. That's an awesome realization again, that sometimes you might want to run away from that. But all the more, God will lead us by His hand and lead us down the path that He's already mapped out for us. So the first thing again, okay, um, God's knowledge of us. God knows everything. And maybe we don't want that to be true. You know, we live in an age whereby we think we have this right to our privacy, right to, to we own it, you know, this is me. And we cannot think that in terms of God. And I think the challenge is to think, you know, what aspects of our lives are we keeping from God? Because I think it implies that there are areas in our lives that we think, you know, we should not, or rather God should not have access to. You know, what aspects of those are we not praying about? Are we not transparent and honest about? And the psalmist is saying, it's silly to think that, you know, God doesn't already know it and God isn't already there. And I think it's a humbling thing, but it's also a helpful thing to know that God already knows and God is actually leading us through that back to him. So that's the first section. God knows us, everything about us, our mannerisms, and God wants us to lead us back to him. Okay, all right, that's the first section. Secondly, God made us. Hmm. Verse 13, uh, For you formed my inward parts, you knitted me together in my mother's womb. So it's talking about the creation of human life in the mother's womb. And it's saying that God did that. You know, God formed all our insides and he did it in a way that seems like an art project, knitting. <laughs> Do you know any aunties that does knitting with the needles and with the with the with a thick thread and he end up with yay scarf, that kind of thing. Well God was knitting us together. Um, and it displays a kind of intentionality that God formed us the way that we are from the beginning. So even when no one else could see, you know, um, my frame was not hidden from you. It was made in secret. No one else could see it was not secret to God. God has this interest, this knowledge of us that began from the womb. You know, talking about illustrations and examples, just before this, I was actually watching a podcast uh, by Speak Life. And it was on Roe versus Wade. I'm not sure if you know what that's about. Roe versus Wade is um, it's a U.S. thing. It's a law that allows for the termination of pregnancy. So it's a law that's been around uh, for a while in the U.S. And I'm sorry if I got this um, not quite correct. I've only watched 20 minutes of the one-hour podcast. But it talks about how this rule could possibly be overturned and how... Uh, what's happening is then the right to termination of pregnancy uh, is now going to be re-delegated to the individual states, but it's still going to be there. But 
it's reignited the debate. You know, at what point does human life become human? You know, in the womb, because uh, you don't want to think of um, what's in a mother's womb as a living thing yet. And so they do all kinds of studies to see whether there's consciousness, whether it's just more than a bunch of cells, and whether what you're doing is just removing cells or you, are you actually terminating life. There are obviously complex issues to do with the mom as well, her right, and the circumstances sometimes of that uh, so-called unwanted pregnancy. Uh, but there's also the other aspect of the life that is in the womb. And what this passage is saying is, you know, from God's perspective, that is life. From that perspective, from God's perspective, you were you, even in the womb, and God knew you then. You know, verse thirteen begins for, for, and that connects section one and section two. Section one talks about how God knows us. God knows everything about us. Why? Verse thirteen for, God made us. This knowledge of us began even before we were we were us. You know, He made us. And therefore, God knows everything about us. And the response to that should not just be awesomeness. Whoa, you know, God, you know, you're God. But that praise, you know, I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I really appreciate how the theme of this talk is this identity. Because it really roots our identity outside of ourselves. You know, we are... Um, products. We are, we are made by God. And so our value comes outside of us. It comes from God who made us. It comes from God who loved us. It comes from God who knows us. And therefore, if we therefore want to assign this value of our lives, it's assigning it back to God. I praise you. I, you are worthy for you made us in this wonderful way. And so thank you to whoever thought of this topic. I think it's just so precious and very, very valuable to remind Christians that the value of our lives, the value of our worth, it's not inside of us. It's assigned to us by God who made us and has this deep interest in our lives that began even before I was me in the womb. He made us skillfully reflecting his care, his work, his wonder. Um, let's see, verse 16, your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. Now that's interesting. You know, it's describing this book that has all the days of our lives, not just in the past, but in the future. It says there before, uh, as yet there was none of them. So before the days happen, it's already written in this book. And it's almost saying that God has written out the story of your life before you even lived. <laughs> All the days in the future is written in this book, in this plan that God has for us as part of this plan for our lives. And so again, it goes again back to the knowledge of God. How is it that God knows us? It's because he knows what he wants us to live as his creation. He's already mapped it out. He's already assigned our path. And it's in this book that he's written as the author of our lives. And again, it should cause us to praise him. It should cause us to realize that we owe our lives to God. Verse 17, how precious to me are your thoughts. O God, how vast 
is the sum of them. If I could count them, they're more than the sand. I'm awake and I'm still with you. We've already reflected on this, on how God's word mediates God's presence. But I think it. one thing that I would add to that, you know, the knowledge that you know, all this is reminding us that you know, God is speaking his relationship to us through his word. But one thing that adds to that is that excitement. You know, there's this vastness, it says, it's so precious and it's so vast that you can't exhaust your knowledge of God. You can't go to, oh, well, um, okay, I know everything already. Because there's just so much. It makes it really, really exciting. Did you know that today, you know, God has mapped out your today for you? And it's just so exciting to discover what it is that God has in store for you. Did you ever think of it that way? You know, if there is a God who created us lovingly and has mapped out our paths in such a way that we come to know him more and more and more and more, and he's a good and he's a loving God and he's in charge and he's ruling over everything, it should make it really, really exciting to wake up in the morning and go, oh, God, what do you have in store for me today? Oh, wow, God, how can I live today in a way that really keeps in step with your plan for me that reflects your glory. So, yep, um, God's knowledge of us that is rooted in his creation of us. But here he's talking about how God's creation is created to reflect the knowledge of God. The way in which we live our lives should almost reflect the fact that we trust God. You know, hey, you know, if someone looks at us, they should not just see someone who's deciding, I want to be this, I want to do that, I want to be this kind of person. But then says, you know, wow, I'm discovering what God has in store for my lives. You know, this is a person who's actually trusting so much in the plan, in the love, in the relationship that's outside of him, that's in a God who made him and is mapping out every step of his life before him. So it should reflect that faith, that trust, that kind of relationship with God. See, so last point, last point. Um, verse, uh, where were we? Uh, verse 19. Oh, that you would slay the wicked, O God, O men of blood. <laughs> Depart from me. Well, I mean, you really do not expect this turn of events. You know, oh, I'm still with you, God, I love you, and you know, you're so amazing. And it's like, oh, kill all those wicked people. <laughs> Where did that come from? And it's something change change direction completely. It's it's just so surprising. But I think it's talking about God's judgment. You know, it just makes sense if there is a God who knows everything about us, a God who created us, therefore it only makes sense. This is a God to whom we are accountable and we are possibly even judged by because he knows everything about us, including our wickedness. And so he describes them as people who speak against God with malicious intent and take your name in vain. So there's a kind of character in us that is seen in our speaking. You know, they speak against God. They take God's name in vain. So there's something that reveals your relationship with God in terms of what you say about him. Yeah, yeah, I mean, this is David speaking about God and says a lot about his relationship with God. And there's something about the way that we speak about God that shows our relationship with God. You know, do we trust him? Do we even know him? Do we take his name in vain? And therefore, uh, it's saying that, you know, the judgments that God will pour out on us will be based on the things that we 
say about him. Again, a reminder of that carefulness that we need to have before God. You know, before a word is on my tongue, you know it all together. You know, people talk about living your life before God, uh, and that's true. You know, there needs to be consistency, but there's something about speaking your life out that reflects the reality of God. I haven't thought this through. But, but there, yeah, you get what I mean. There's something about the way that you speak about God that reflects either that it's true or it's false, that you know God or you don't. Uh, verse 21, Do I not hate those who hate you, O Lord, and do I not loathe those who rise up against you? Wow. So he's really hating all these people who hate God, and he feels really justified by it. Uh, I was reading John Calvin this morning, uh, and it's really interesting how John Calvin says, be careful of verse 21. This is talking about people who don't know God. And he says, be careful of applying this kind of hatred towards your own brothers and sisters. And I, I took that to heart. I know sometimes we tend to justify our hatred with the hatred that is here. But actually, we need to see this is a right kind of hatred of those who reject God. And we should not be very, very careful of justifying our hatred of people when God might not hate them. But anyway, here, he does hate them because they do hate God. They do rise up against God. They do speak against God. I hate them with complete hatred. I count them as my enemies. But why does he say this? I think it's because of verse 23. So it's reflecting on God's judgment on others because I think verse 23 invites God to judge his own heart. And so it is verse 23. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me, or judge me, or put me on trial, and know my thoughts. So weigh my thoughts against theirs. And I think here he is exposing himself in a way that maybe causes him to want to repent at the slightest sign of sin. You know, search me. God, you already know everything about me. Reveal to me the areas where, where I need to turn back to you, that I need to be turning away from, you know, know my thoughts even. And see, verse 24, if there be any grievous way in me and lead me in ways everlasting. I just want to see what the footnote says, in the ancient ways. They mean ways that is consistent with your ways. Or lead. And I think it, it's talking about maybe even salvation. Lead me back towards paths of life. And so it's inviting God to point out anything that might grieve him, make him sad, you know, hurt him, and so that he might turn him back towards ways that makes God joyful and loving towards him. I think this is a very humble way to end this psalm, not to go like, hey, you know, I'm great. You know, you see everything about me. God, you can tell that I'm great by saying, actually, you know, God, you see everything. And this is an opportunity, an opportunity for you to point out to me how it is that I can walk closer with you, turn away from sin, and to be more trusting in your plan for my life. Now, at this point, it might be worth talking about the ultimate application of these verses. You know, this last bit, I think before we apply to ourselves, it might just, it might just be worth applying this towards Jesus. Because I think when we're talking about this judgment and this humility, we see this not first and foremost in ourselves, but we see this in Jesus, you know, who lived that perfect life. And by perfect, it was perfectly in relationship with God. You know, if, if you know nothing about Jesus, he came onto the earth 
and he died on the cross. You know, I think that that's uh, the perfect life, but he died on the cross in perfect submission to God. That was what God sent him to do. And every step of the way to the cross, what he did was he constantly was seeking God's will, you know, almost bending his will before God. He prayed to God. That, that's that's amazing, actually, to think of the Son of God praying to God, and he was constantly seeking to expose his own heart before God. And I think the first application of the psalm is not towards us, but to see how Jesus fulfills the kind of beauty and trust and kind of like transparency that Jesus had before God as his Son. Even, even the bit about being made you know, in the inmost parts. You know, Jesus became fully man and God made his body and God knew him, had this relationship with him even before he was born on earth. And it shows this fullness and this richness and this intimacy that Jesus had with God that maybe not all of us, all of us have to that extent, but he wants us to have through his death on the cross. And I think that helps us to see then um, how Jesus enables us to have this relationship. At each point of this psalm, I think there are ways in which we fail, but Jesus redeems us and allows us to come back into that knowledge with him. So just that first bit, you know, God knowing everything about us, you know, we might run away, but God is the one who sent his son to bring us back to him. You know, God sent his son to us. We, we didn't go up to God. God sent his son to bring us back, to turn us back, and to, 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 to identify with us even in our weakness so that we would have this, this bridge back towards God and to knowing Him again. God made us, yes, but also God was made to be like us. You know, Jesus made into a human being. That's so remarkable to think that God would take on flesh. And therefore, God knows our human condition in a way that now, maybe we don't even realize, you know, God experienced everything that we did, the pains and the suffering and maybe even the rejection, and the heartbreak that we've been through. God understands it and God is able to still call us back into that knowledge and trust in him. Despite all these things, you can trust in him and walk in his ways. But finally, in this judgment of those who hated him and turned away from him, you know, what if, what if we were one of those? What if we were one of those who's spoken against God? We've not lived our lives in a way that is really transparent. Or if God really saw those things that we did, you know, we would be so ashamed of it. You know, does that mean that we would be slayed by God? No, in the end, you know, God Himself slays His Son. You know, that's the amazing thing about the gospel. God takes that punishment, that slaying, that cutting, that killing, and He pours it out on Jesus on the cross so that his hatred that pours out on him becomes his love that he pours out on us. And such that when God now searches our hearts, he gives us new hearts that enables us to want to love him and to follow him and obey him in Christ. Yeah, okay, all right. So, uh, uh, anything else? Yeah, I think that, that that's done. That's my second impressions of this passage. It's just really, really valuable to be aware that God knows everything about us and God loves us. And the more that we know God, the more that we know that He loves us. Uh, let's pray. Uh, Heavenly Father, thank you so much for Christ, for Jesus, who really had this relationship with you. 
and who invites us into that same relationship, makes it possible through his death on the cross. You know us, Lord. You know our hearts. You know our words. You know our mannerisms. Shape us, even our thoughts and our lives, to be conformed to the likeness of Christ, that we might want to be transparent and open before you, that we might speak about you that shows that we are walking in your ways and trusting you every step of the way. Help us to do this for Jesus' sake. Amen. Amen. Thank you for joining me. Uh, see you guys in Leicester on Sunday. Take care and God bless. Bye. <laughs>